Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. We're going to take a different approach. A lot of times when we get the opportunity to speak, we have uh, an idea in mind and we preach towards that idea. Sometimes there is a verse or a passage of verses that we begin to unpack. Uh, this is going to be a, a very a, a personal message today. And so we're going to talk about real life events that also create uh, symbolism for a larger story. It's like when Pastor tells us of a personal story when he's talking to somebody and he grabs a hammer and starts tacking a nail in and he misses and smacks his finger. How many understand that really hurt? But then he uses that pain to describe when we're not focused in life, sometimes we find ourselves in pain. And today we're going to see a real true life story that was full of pain, full of heartache, yet at the same time speaks to us today. This is not a one-time event. This is not one of those things where Judas went and hung himself, go there and do likewise. Like we're, not, we're not following <laughs> their path, but today's message is going to be one of those hit home and, and figure it out. Uh, we're going to be walking through the life, at least the first two chapters, of Hosea. And Hosea is not the stairway to heaven of the Old Testament. Like, he's not the classic rock that we always dive into, and he's not the David and Goliath story. He's not the, the old school, like, oh, we know that one, we're going to pull it off. Um, in fact, uh, many people aren't going to get Hosea tattoos on their arms. Like, there's not really these huge Pinterest boards full of Hosea verses that you're going to find. Um, and a lot of Christians don't even know about Hosea too much. Um, uh, in fact, there is a book called Redeeming Love by uh, Francine Rivers. And in her book, she's kind of giving a modern story of, of the life of Hosea. Uh, modern. It's set in like a Western theme, but more modern than Hosea. And uh, that was a lot of people, when I did some studying, a lot of people, that was their launching point to even looking at the guy named Hosea was this fictional book. And so today, we're going to begin setting up and, and, and walking through the life of Hosea, and we're going to begin doing some backdrop of it. And I love, I love a good movie. Does anybody like just love movies? Like you, you miss going to AMC? Like you know what I'm talking about. Man, I miss. Like now you can go online, or you can watch it at home, or you can op- open up your Netflix or HBO or whatever it is and watch a current movie, but there's nothing. I don't care how hard I work on it. There's no buttered popcorn like the movie Popcorn. And something about that fountain drink, I don't know if they put crack in it, but whatever it is, I'm down. I'm in. I'm sold out. My uh, Twizzlers taste better. Everything's better at the movie theater. And I hope one day soon we're going to be going back to that um, and, and seeing that. And I have good hope that we are, considering that, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, the Prattville Movie Theater got bought out by AMC. So we're going to have that one back open again soon. So that's going to be great. Um, and so we're going to be able to have that. But I was thinking about the life of Hosea. And typically people aren't going to make big movies about Hosea. Uh, this is not the crazy action flicks like uh, the story in Samuel of, of Benaiah. Who, can I tell you, I love the idea of lions. But if I ever saw one outside of a wall, I'm running. And I know I have no chance. My only chance is that somebody slower and fatter is running next to me and I can push them over. Seriously, just being honest. I, I did. So why we don't hang out together, man. 
It's going to be one of those weeks. All right, here we go. I'm loving it. All right, so, <laughs> and, and as we are, are, are looking at it, this guy, he, he doesn't just run away from a lion. He chases a lion. The lion falls into a pit, and how many of you would just be happy with that? But, you know, like, that's a movie. Like, the guy jumps into the pit. Fantastic book that you can read about also. Um, and he jumps into the pit to, to kill the lion. That's, that's 300-esque. That's Spartan style, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, that's a movie of movies. That's something that you would create and be like, I would watch that movie. That would be fantastic. Uh, or, or like the story of like, I kind of picture like Jacob and Leah and Rachel kind of as a rom-com. You know, like, he went to sleep and woke up with a different woman. Like, ha, ha, ha. Like, you have some, some weird music behind it, and it'd be a funny movie to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, there would be a lot of humor between, between that one. Um, uh, or, or, or like the Abraham and Sarah's story. You know, you could you get Nicholas Sparks behind that one and the struggles that they went through, but they kept their love through it all, and then they get this baby and yada, 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 and you guys are crying, and it's fantastic. But uh, can I tell you, this movie is not going to be like that. This is going to be a dark, gritty movie. Uh, and I would say it would be a love-ish style movie, if you can. Um, it would be directed probably by like Scorsese. Um, they're doing The Goodfellas or something like that. Uh, or that movie on Amazon, Life Itself. It was supposed to be a romantic movie. And you're watching like, when's everybody going to stop dying? Like, it's one of those things that you're walking through. Um, <laughs> you ever watch that movie and you're like, this is supposed to be really good. And all of a sudden you're like, this is just the worst. I'm depressed. I was hoping to laugh. And I'm just, yeah, whatever. Um, and we have a small castless movie. That, uh, obviously, there's, there's, there's God who would be played by himself. Um, but then we have our female role. Her, her name is Gomer, um, and which is not a really cool, attractive name for a woman. So we can make her French and call her Gomier. Um, and uh, uh, she's the daughter of Diblum. Oddly enough, her name means complete. Her name means to be complete and whole. And when I tell you the irony of ironies of names in the Bible, that's probably one of the best ones. Uh, we, based on her life story, she's young in her 20s. She's attractive. If I was to cast her, I would use Naomi Scott from uh, Aladdin. Can you put her on the screen? Kind of get a mental picture of, you know, she's young, she's beautiful, she's got this uh, going on for her. She's, got, she's, she's, she's great. She looks great. She's young. Then we've got our, our, our protagonist, Hosea. Uh, he lives in the northern kingdom. He's a prophet. Uh, he is a professional prophet in his late 40s, early 50s. Uh, his name actually means Yahweh saves. Um, he's a likable guy. He, he, he's one of those guys that you would watch the movie, and when they experience pain, you experience pain with them. Kind of like this guy, like, like a good Mark Ruffalo. Like, you know, you, you like Mark Ruffalo, and he's a great character. Um, but then when you put these two together, it doesn't make sense. Do you understand? It's kind of like Avengers. When you watch Tim and Scarlett Johansson, you're like, I'm sorry, is there something going on between them two? This is kind of the oddity of what's taking place with Hosea and Gomer. It's not what you would picture as a rom-com movie. They are a, an odd couple. And I, it's one of those unnatural connections that you see. 
And so let me start off with the scene. Let me give you a cast of where we are. Uh, it's about two and a half centuries since David has been there. It's about 650 years since Moses. And while in the big scheme of the world, 650 years isn't that long, uh, but one thing we can look about is 650 years ago today, there was a 100 years war. So there's a lot of time has passed. Uh, 650 years from today, uh, we can see a lot of things that were taking place. Um, and, and as we're walking through this process, uh, you would think that Israel by this time would have gotten their junk together. They've had time. This isn't 40 years after the wilderness. This is 650 years post-Moses. Now, at this moment also, Israel has so messed up that there are now two nations. You've got the northern kingdom and you've got the southern kingdom. And out of the northern kingdom, uh, you're seeing that they are just lawless. There's a lot of issues that are taking place right now. Um, there was a civil war at one time. Uh, Jeroboam II um, is running part of the country. And the economy, though, is exploding positively. Uh, trade is there. They're trading with Egypt. They're trading with Assyria. Oil and horses um, is, is a huge thing that's going on. Oil, wine, and horses are the big three that they're, they're going. They also control the road to Damascus so they can have full trade route control. At this moment in Israel's history, there's a lot of bad things that are going on, but economically, they're killing it. This is the roaring 20. Everybody's making money. Everybody's doing really good for themselves, and it's going really great. During this time, they've had six kings in the life of Hosea. Six kings. I mean, look at Queen Elizabeth II. She's been around since, what, 1722? I mean, like, she's still kicking, but they've had six kings at this moment, of which I think it was like five of the six kings were executed by their staff. At what point do you call HR? I mean, be like, can we reevaluate the background check? Like, the last four guys got killed by their people. Like, who? Yeah, this is just bizarre. Um, and, and they're walking through all of this. So let's go ahead and dive into Hosea. They're going to put it on the screen for me. Hosea chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start off with verse 1. It says, The word of, of Jehovah that came to Hosea, the son of uh, Berah, the, the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. They're listing all the people who were before him. Verse 2. When Jehovah spoke at first by Hosea, Jehovah said unto Hosea, this is just, this is where, this is where everything turns. Go and take unto thee a wife of whoredom and children of whoredom, for the land does commit great whoredom. A lot of times we miss that these are real people who are walking through real-life issues writing in the middle of where they are. Like, I, I feel like if you go to the back of the story, you'll see some really cool things that take place. And I feel like he's writing this part right now when things aren't okay. Can you imagine everything's okay with your wife? And like, hey, babe, God told me to write a, kind of our story. What's going on? And she's like, oh, sweetie, let me read it. And she opens up. And he's like, it's not done yet. still needs to be polished. And she's like, you called me a whore in the first <laughs> two verses? Like, I feel like there's a, there's, there's a problem that's going to be taking place here. So Hosea is not in a good spot. He's really not. He's not in a spot that we're going through. And you say, Pete, well, a lot of times we miss this and think that she is there. But the word here that we're looking at is not the same word for prostitution that's used in the Bible. This is not the same exact word that's been going through to say that she was currently a prostitute. What's taking place in this moment is that she is living a lifestyle at this moment of his time that is not conducive to what's going on. 
Picture it this way, that you find a guy that you want to marry, you, you think he's great, he's fantastic, he's the man that you've been praying for, and then after you know, you've been going through something, you find yourself hangry. How, how many find yourself hangry every once in a while with your spouse? And you say things that you probably shouldn't say. No one's raising their hand. Man, that's just me. Cool. And then you find yourself in a spot where you might call them a name that you probably didn't mean because you're not in a good spot. Hosea, in this moment, has already been married by the time he wrote this. And it's kind of like that woman who looks and goes, God, why did you give me this narcissistic husband? Well, that's not his name. He's just having some problems right now. At this moment in his life, Hosea is calling God, writing out, saying, God, you told me to marry Gomer, who is not living life, so I'm going to call her by her actions. And this is the very first thing we have to realize, is that a lot of times in lives, we find ourselves by church people defined by our actions. We find ourselves isolated by our past, maybe even our present, and what's going on. And in this moment, Hosea is finding himself in a very, very, very dark spot. I feel like he's in a very painful spot. And it's an indication right now that, that Gomer, in this current process, or Gomer, if we're going to call her nice, Gomer is in the process right now of, of doing things that are causing unbelievable pain to Hosea. We have to remember that the writer of the text is the liver of the text. And it's like David writing in Psalms. When he makes this statement in Psalm 88, 18, which is one of the darkest verses of Psalms, he says, all my loved ones and friends are far from me, leaving me alone, and now darkness is my only friend. I don't think David's doing good, y'all. If I saw that on somebody's Facebook page, I'm calling you. Like, if that's your, if that's your, if that's your post, we think we're in a bad spot. We're going to hang out. We're going to take away all the sharp objects. You know, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, we're going to have a little powwow. Let's, let's have a little talk. And let's assume that in this moment, Jose is going through something when he's writing this part. I, I think the, the verbiage that he's walking through right now is very, very important because as he's writing this passage, there is a very active tone of verbiage that's being used, indicating that as he's writing, his wife has left him for something else. His wife has gone through something else. Full disclosure, we don't really truly know if she was a legal prostitute in that day, somebody who was practicing sexual sins in the temple of Baal, or was somebody who was just unfaithful to her spouse. The interesting thing is that in the context, it sounds like she was doing something active when God told her to marry her, but when you really break it down, it looks like, according to most scholars, that she was actually pure by the time they got married. But it was once they got married that her head turned. Everything that she was has gone astray. And when you find yourselves back in Genesis, you can see that God is meeting with Abraham. And in this meeting of Abraham, God looks at Abraham and says, we're going to make a covenant. And it's the same idea as a marriage covenant. And God, in this moment of moments, I found this so powerful, looks at, at Abraham and says that if I don't fulfill my covenant, I will kill myself. This is God speaking. That's how serious he took his covenant. Knowing, knowing that Israel wouldn't. That's the kind of God we serve. He knew when he made his bargain with you that you wouldn't do it. He knew when I made the bargain with God years ago that I would fail. 
He knew 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago that when he was making a covenant with Abraham that he had you in mind, he had me in mind, knowing that we're not going to do our part of the bargain. In other words, God chose you before you even had the moment to mess up, knowing you would. Knowing you would. Knowing that I would. It doesn't make our mess-ups okay. Hear me when I say that. God will never go, it's all good. I knew it. My dad's done that to me numerous times. No, numerous times. He's done it to my mom. He's probably done people in this room. You'll do something, and he'll go, I knew it was going to happen that way. You ever heard Alan Cova say that? What? Then you're like, why didn't you tell me? To which he always replies, you still would have done it your way. It doesn't mean that we don't have a mess to clean up, but it does mean that he unconditionally loves you where you are. Please hear me when I tell you this. Our sin, past, present, and future, is never okay. I feel like in our society today, we're living lives where we look at sin and go, it's relative. It's not as bad as EJ. We're living lives based on going, he knew it. He chose me anyways. And we act as if, by him choosing us anyways, it's God giving us permission to sin in advance. As if Jesus was prepaid blood payment for our sins, and we're just getting his money's worth. Okay. In the eyes of God, your relationship with him is unbelievably serious. In the eyes of Israel, they thought it was an open marriage. They looked at their relationship with God, as we do so many times, as a relationship of convenience. And in this moment, we see God going, I chose you knowing what you would become. Knowing what you become. Chapter 2, things get worse. Chapter 2 is one of the most poetic chapters, but it's still one of the most painful chapters to read. Kind of picture that you had a warrant signed for your arrest, but it's written in calligraphy and beautifully, you know, written. And you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. But I'm still going to jail. This is kind of chapter 2 here. Chapter 2 is written very poetically and so descriptive and so beautifully written. But it's not a good chapter. Now, we're going to walk through part of this today, and then we're going to see where we are for time's sake. So chapter 2, go ahead and start us off there, Joshua. And it says this. Say unto your brethren and to your sisters. Now, he's talking right now to the kids of Gomer, which are supposedly Hosea's kids also. Verse 2 says, Contend with your mother. Contend, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. And I let her put away her whoredom for her face and her adulteries from between her breasts. And I let, let least I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. Yea, upon her children I will have no mercy, for they are the children of whoredom. Oh, that's heavy, no. Here's where this really means. God is looking 
through the eyes of Hosea going, I'm not even sure if you're my kids. He's looking at these people and going, I love you as a people. And what we're looking at here is he always recognizes that, Hosea, that, that Gomer was his wife. And can I tell you, you will forever be the apple of his eye. You will forever be the one he's chasing. But here's where we are. Kids are a byproduct of two people. And God is looking at this going, you're saying what you're doing is from me, but I don't think it is. Have you ever used the God card to do something in life? To get away with something? Oh, God told me to do it. I was just in prayer and God told me to you know, get this car that I can't afford. That he'd provide. Did he now? In this current moment right now, this is the spiritual Moripovich verse. Where God is looking, you know, and you've got Moripovich come out. And you're putting all your deeds out before God. And there's a spiritual DNA test. And Moripovich is like, God is not the father. You're saying you're doing all these things for him, but you're not. You're saying you're doing all these sacrifices for him, but you're not. You're saying you're going to church every single, you know, as, as, as the doors are open, but you're not. You're saying you're doing all these good things for him, but you're not. What we're doing them for is for selfish ambition and greed. A lot of times we do things because we want to save face. A lot of times we're doing these things because we don't want to look bad. A lot of times we're doing all these things, and we're going through the motions with our actions saying, oh, this is for God, and God's going, I never said that at all. In this moment right now, Israel is still sacrificing. Israel is still going through the motions. Israel is still saying, oh yeah, we're kids of God. And he's going, no, you're not. Your actions, those, those offspring are not mine. This is a serious moment right now where we've got to ask ourselves, is what we're doing and saying is in, is in relationship with God actually in relationship with God? Or are we just trying to say, we're doing things and we want God's approval after we've done it? It's important to figure this out because if God's the father of what's going on, he's responsible for it. And I feel like in my personal life, and I'm just going to speak about Pete for just, just a second, there's been so many times that I've gotten frustrated at God for not holding up his end of the bargain. He goes, I never created that. I never told you to do that. You read that on a Pinterest board. You heard some sermon about this guy did this and that and you thought it was a good idea too, so you jumped into it and said it was faith, but I never said to do that. And then we find ourselves disappointed and disillusioned and dealing with bitterness towards God, saying, you're supposed to be raising my dreams, and God's like, those aren't my dreams. Those aren't my dreams. See, God is a father and he will always, hear me out, always hold up his end of the bargain. And he is never going to abandon his kids. But a lot of times, we're trying to say our actions are his kids, and he's going, no, they're not. And then we're frustrated because we said to our friends and to our family and to our coworkers and to our church, God told me to do this, and he didn't. And now we're upset and embarrassed. Am I the only person who's been there before in life? It felt good. It felt like God. It felt like it was the right thing to do. It was a great idea. At least I thought it was. But God's like, what am I do? And can I tell you from a pastoral point of view, the moment somebody says, well, this is what God told me to do, man, there's nothing I can do. 
We're not going to argue with God. I don't hear God for you. I, Pastor Marsh is not going to be like, whoa, 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 time out. You know you didn't. We may look at you and be like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because it doesn't really sound like his character. But the moment you claim that this is what God told you to do, I can't. Am I wrong? I, I, I can't do anything with that. Okay. Ask yourself before you commit his last name to something, make sure it's his kid. Let's start with that one. Verse 6, things get intense. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns, and I will build up a wall against her that shall she shall not find her paths, and she shall follow after her lovers, for, but she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but not find them. And then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better with me than now. Notice, she's saying return back to Hosea, return back to God. And in this time, you didn't stand before a judge to get a decree. What Hosea literally did just now saying, we're done, is all it took back then to be divorced. Hosea divorced Gomer right there. And God is speaking through Hosea going, this is what I'm about to do to Israel. That's scary. Verse 8, for she did not know that I gave her the grain and the new wine, and the oil, and multiplied unto her gold and silver, which they used for bail. Therefore, I will take back my grain <laughs> in the time thereof, and my new wine in the season, therefore, and I will pluck away my wool and my flax, which should have covered her nakedness, and I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of my hand. And I will cause unto her mirth to cease, her feast, her new moons, and the Sabbaths, and her solemn assemblies, and I will waste to her vines and fig trees thereof, that she has said, these are my hire that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and a beast of the fields shall eat them. Pause. What God is saying in this moment is that you have found yourselves connecting to another person. You have found yourselves connecting to another God and to another system. And God is saying, you have no longer wanted my relationship, so fine, I'll give you what you want. How many of you understand that God will give you what you want. Doesn't mean he stops loving. Hear me out. We see that very clearly, and then even in the New Testament, when the prodigal son has said, Dad, give me what I want and leave, Dad goes, okay. Doesn't mean the father stopped loving. But the son did wander away. And in our lives and in, in Israel's lives and in Gomer's life right now, what we're seeing is these people have found themselves so self-assured by their riches that they no longer needed God. At this moment, Israel is rich. What are they rich on? Wine, oil, they're rich on wool, they're rich on horses. And in this single moment, God goes, you don't want me? Okay, I'll take my stuff back. There's no place in life that is more scary than being out of God's will in your life especially once you've experienced what it's like. Trust me. In this moment, God is saying, if you don't want me, then okay. But you're not going to have all my blessings 
You want to do this on your own? Do it on your own. You want to do it with Egypt and Assyria and Baal? Let's see what they can do for you. This is reminiscent of the prophet Elisha saying, maybe cut yourself, maybe scream a little louder. Let's see if, let's see if Baal can wake you up. God's going, let's see what they can do for you. Let's see it. You think that they can do what I can do? Okay, that's good. See what you got. One translation makes this statement that you left me <laughs> for horrible cakes. Just looking at a Jewish woman saying, your cooking is garbage. The person you left me for is garbage. God is looking going, have you understood what you've left? Did you understand what you walked away from right now to chase this? But you will. You will. You'll understand it. It doesn't mean that God has lost his love for Israel, but they have lost their desire to need him. And God, like us, time and time, ago, time, and time again, have looked at me and said, if you don't want me, then okay. This happens in my life. This happens in many people's lives. If you found yourself in a horrible situation, maybe economically, maybe relationally, maybe physically, and you are at the church every second the doors are open, you are praying, you are fasting, you are connecting with God, you are raising your hands, the altars are open, you're at the front worshiping, and then it seems like as time gets going on and things get better, you don't need it as much. Maybe I should just talk this way. You don't need it as much. And you find yourself at one time proclaiming the desires and the needs for God, and now you're nowhere to be found in his house. Why? Because you don't need him anymore. And this is when God stops being your love and becomes your sugar daddy. It's like somebody who goes, I'm going to go to the beach in eight weeks. What do they do? Crash diet. They do. They crash diet hard because they want to look good. And then they get to the beach, and what do they do? Look good, and then go to the buffet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I did it. Challenge accepted. Crushing these cakes. And this is what happens in our lives with God many times, is that we have these moments of we, have, we need God or we die. We need God or else. And we were walking through, and we're professing our love, and we're walking through the motions. But then the moment that we pass that event, nah, we're good now. And now we go back to the spiritual buffet and do what we want to do. I need you to hear me when I say I'm talking about me too. This is, this is me. And this is where Gomer is. Gomer left her husband to do it her way. Whether she actively became a prostitute or prostitute adjacent, what she was saying is, I want to live life my way. And let's take a moment right now and ask ourselves, are we Gomer? Have we lost our first love to align ourselves with things that are not as good? Are you finding yourself empty inside? Are you finding yourselves constantly looking at life going, I need more, I need more, I'm unsatisfied? Do you see yourselves on a roller coaster relationship with God like I have? Where um, when everything's bad, I need God. But when everything's good, we're good. 
And I think for me personally, I, I, I watched as being transparent, my world crumbled a year plus ago. And I'm looking now at many people and going, Choo. man, that's a slippery slope. We went through COVID, and I watched people just, especially at the beginning, just worshiping and praying and, as, and be really, really, truly upset, upset, legitimately upset that we couldn't come in the building and worship. And then we open the building and they don't show up. What's going on? I can say this because I'm not the senior pastor. But let's have a heart to heart for a second. What's going on? Ask yourself what's going on. Why is it six months ago or a year ago or two years ago you just could not get enough of God and now you're just like, nah, I'm good. What has lulled you to sleep and become numb? God's looking at Israel and Gomer going, you want to be self-reliant? Be self-reliant. It's not going to be good. It's going to destroy you. It's going to be really, really bad. And can I tell you, no matter what takes place, no matter who's the president, who's in the Congress, who's in the Senate, can I be honest with you? It really, truly doesn't matter. I hate, I hate to be that guy. Daniel says he sets up and he tears down. Whether it's your vote or not, can I, I can't keep blaming people 500 or 1,000 miles away when I can't keep my own issues in order. And as we're walking through this life, ask ourselves, are we living lives like Gomer? Are we finding ourselves drifted away from God, and yet we want to blame other people for our issues? Well, I would have had if not. Notice the parallel between Gomer's story and the prodigal son. Gomer leaves her husband, and her husband says, I'm taking it all back. And you're going to find yourself in a spot of desolation and destitute. The prodigal son leaves with tons of money, and it says a great famine came and took all his resources. Maybe, just maybe, when you experience a huge famine in your life, that's a clear sign to turn around. When you look around and be like, what is going on? Have a V8 and go, maybe I need Jesus. Can I tell you, I mean, and if I can just be so bold, and we will back this thing up later on, and, and Pastor will fix all my mistakes. But if I can be so bold, two years ago, I looked good on stage. Three years ago, I looked fantastic on stage, internally dying. Just because you look like you're going through everything the right way doesn't mean that internally you're not. And I want you to know that in my falling apart as a human being, there was a single moment where I looked at God and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like an idiot. And God's like, I didn't do anything. What are you doing? Sometimes, when everything falls apart in your life, it is the best place for you to be. I know that's not a popular message. 
But it's in those moments where you get a moment to go, what am I going to rebuild? Gomer's about to lose everything. Israel is about to lose everything. And what's next? God has every right to be like, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you did it to yourself. I mean, doesn't he? They left him. She left Hosea. Can you throw up verse 14 for me? In this same chapter, this is what happens now. Therefore, behold, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness and beat her down. No. And speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from before and the valley of anchor for the door of hope. And she shall make answer there as in the days of her youth and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says Jehovah, that thou shalt call me Ishi and shall no longer call me Bali. Those words mean and shall no longer call me master and, sh- sorry, and shall call me husband and shall no longer call me master. Listen to that. You shall no longer look at me as your master, but I want to be your husband. Can I tell you right now, that's what God wants in your life. He doesn't want to be your taskmaster. He doesn't want to be this guy who's sitting there just giving you a list of do's and don'ts, waiting for you to mess up so he can have a breach of contract. He's not looking for each and every one of us to fail, so he's out of his agreement. He's not walking through life going like, please, 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 please. let me out of this contract, let me out of this contract. I didn't mean to sign it. I, you just were, you were so good with your words. I got tricked. No, no. Can I tell you, God's not looking for a lemon law, which we all are, by the way. Verse 17, for I take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and, she, and they shall no more be mentioned by their name. And in that day, I make a covenant for them, and with the beasts of the fields, and with the birds of the heavens, and with the creeping things of the ground, and I will break the bow and the sword and the battle of the land, and I will make them to lie down safely, and I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, and in justice, and in loving kindness, and in mercy. And I even will betroth unto me faithfulness, and shall know Jehovah. Pause. He wants to redo his vows today. These are vows. I vow unto you that I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Come back home, because this is what I'm going to do for you. You keep going on this path, it's not going to be good. But come back home, and this is what happens. In this moment, the end of June 2021, where are you? I didn't want to preach this. I like happy messages. I like to be funny and tell jokes. But I couldn't move past this passage. And for time's sake, we're not going to go into chapters 3 and and beyond. Because I feel like right now we're exactly where we need to be, and that is this. Where are you right now? geographically, but spiritually. Have we lost something? If you look back at your life and go, man, back in the day, my walk with God was X, Y, and Z, and it's better than today, it's not his fault. 
God doesn't change. And in fact, right now, there are so many of us that may not be doing crazy things worshiping Baal, but maybe we're finding ourselves becoming self-reliant on our own wisdom. Maybe we're not doing crazy things like, you know, going out and being wild and living life like the world, but maybe internally we have become numb to his presence. Maybe we're not living life that's going bizarre and that if everybody could see it, that they would judge us, but maybe internally we just have lost that love and that passion, and we're just going through the motions. And I feel like right now God is saying, let's take a pause on what's happening to your love. Have you, as Revelation says, lost your first love? Have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten the, the, the plans that I have for you? Can I tell you, this is not a passage or a sermon about you doing more things. Hear me out. This is not about doing more. It's about what's happening here. Because if this doesn't change, I don't care if you volunteer the next 52 weeks in the nursery. <laughs> this, is what, this is what we're talking about right now. What's happening in your heart? What's happening right here? The Bible tells us that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. You want to know where your heart is? I'm not just talking about bad confessions. I'm asking, what are you saying about God? I'm not saying anything bad about God. Are you saying anything good? Are you talking at all? Are you connecting at all? Two years ago, or a year and a half ago, when everybody thought the world was ending because of this pandemic, and we were all scared, all of us at one time, like, what's going to happen? Are we going to turn into zombies? And we're like, oh, okay, it's all done now. Have we lost that? That passion? Don't get me wrong. God does not, hear me out, want to bring destruction to anybody's life. In fact, I don't think he actually does bring destruction. I think he just pulls away his protection, and we destroy ourselves. Where are you right now with God? Well, Pete, I haven't read my Bible. I should start reading my Bible more. No. It's not about doing Listen to this. You shall no longer call me master, but shall call me husband. God wants a relationship with you. Later on in the chapters, especially in the Old Testament, one of the big things that we would have to do was we'd have to sacrifice and sacrifice and kill so many things. And in fact, in this moment, God, it's like a wormhole between Hosea and where Christ comes. He pauses and goes, stop. Stop sacrificing. Stop doing all the things that you're doing. Just be with me. In 2021, right now at the end of June, where are you with God? So let's pause. With every head bowed, I just don't want anybody looking around, please. And if you're on Facebook watching this, wherever you are in your living room or your home or driving down the road, maybe listen to this on the podcast. How far away have we drifted? Maybe you're hearing you like, Pete, I'm doing great. Then great, please, just renew your commitment with God today, right where you are. God, I love you, I need you. I'm as in love with you today as I ever have been, and I'm just so excited about my future with you. Take verses 14 through, through 23 and say, that's my jam. I'm with you, God, let's do it. But I feel like there's a lot of us in the same place that go, Poof. I've made a lot of bad choices, and I am so numb. I'm numb. 
how do you know that you've missed it when you don't have peace? Where's your peace gone? Where's your joy gone? Right now, it's gut check time. God is standing at the altar ready to recommit his vows to you today. But are you ready to do the same? With no one looking around? If you say, Pete, yeah, I have majorly... (laughs) Maybe not even majorly. I'm just way off track. But I need to come home. I need to recommit my life to him. If that's you, just quickly just slide your hand up and put it right back down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I thought. Yeah. So many people. So many people. God's not standing here saying, I'm going to take you to the wilderness and beat you today. Right now, he says, when you come home, I will embrace you, restore you, clothe you, provide for you, love you, commit to you. I'm doing all of these things because he is a God of love. And right now where you are, it's time to make that shift. I'm going to say a prayer. You can add in your own little things beneath your breath, but if you say that you need to make that recommitment, use your words. Use your words. No matter what you say, there's not a secret formula. But I'm going to pray, and I'm going to commit myself, and you guys can take some of this and use it for yourself. Father God, today I'm just saying I'm sorry. And I repent before you for anything that has led me astray, that has turned my head, that has left my mind, that has uh, caused me to betray my love for you. God, today I commit my life to you. I want to be with you. Only you, you are my sole provider, my everything, my all in all, and I rely on you, not as my master, but as my, as my Savior, as my Lord, as the relationship that I need. God, today I commit myself to you fully with no restraint, with no recourse, no regard, and I turn away from, from the things that have, have led me astray, the, the decisions that I have made, the, the problems that I have, and God, today committing my life to you because you are more important than anything else that this life has to offer because you are the first love. And, and, and God, right now, the, the things that took place as, in, as a teenager or my 20s or my 30s, whatever it may be, God, today I, I go back to say I want that passion with you again and no longer being out left in the wilderness, but with you now forever. God, I love you. I need you. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for never abandoning us. Thank you, oh God, for always giving us a way back home. And we thank you, God, today and welcome it with open arms and say yes to your plan and yes to your will. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.